Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the comprehensive examination of the life, career, and works of actor Eric Roberts. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as always, is the king of all media, Todd Rigney. How are you doing today, Todd? I am doing excellent because, you know, it's a special episode. Mm, that I did just say it was a special You did episode. that. I just wanted to reaffirm it. You know? I thought you were going to reference the fact that I called you the king of all media. Uh, you know... You did a little ball washing, and that's okay. That's what I do. I mean, I do know you. You uh, you write. You actually have a novel uh, that people can go out and purchase, and you write in terms of articles for the internet, and you also record podcasts. Todd, you are a multi-talent. Wow. That, mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're building me up so much, I don't think I can live up to your expectations. No, 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 you couldn't. In fact, I'll spend the rest <laughs> of the episode cutting you down just to make sure you don't get the big head, <laughs> <laughs> if at all possible. Uh, some people, uh, mostly the listeners, not you, Todd, you probably already know what's up. Some people probably are wondering why we're here and why the heck we're back so soon. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, about a week ago, I was contacted by today's guests, who are incredibly gracious, very wonderful, and they offered to speak with us. In fact, they actually offered to be guests, a regular guest on the show, which uh, maybe it's something that we could actually put together in the future. But I actually have a few guests planned out, and I didn't want them to wait so long, especially because their situation was so interesting. These two gentlemen were involved in a short film called Dead Saturday, which is currently uh, touring festivals in the United States. And you uh, might be wondering, listener, why should I care about any of this? And If you are wondering that, you have an extremely bad attitude, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit further anyway. You see, Dead Saturday features a cast of really wonderful young actors and one extremely familiar face to fans of this podcast. And do I mean, yes, I do mean, Eric Roberts is in this movie. And he plays Pastor Malcolm in the short. And we are today joined by Dead Saturday's director, Benjamin Stark, Ben Stark, I'm going to call him. Uh, and writer Jeremy Burgess, and they're here to blow our minds with first-hand Eric Roberts' information, but also to tell us about their short film, which uh, both Todd and I have had the pleasure of checking out. How are you today, gentlemen? In fact, we've already heard your voices. Say hello to the people. Howdy. Hello. Thanks for having us. Now... This is obviously a first for Todd and myself on this podcast, uh, and I hope listeners will forgive the, if this is a little disjointed. It certainly isn't as planned out as a normal episode would be. Uh, but that said, uh, this is really exciting. This is a real opportunity for us to dig deep and peel back those layers in a way that we just don't get to do on your average episode. So to start with, let's talk about the background of the short a little bit. Uh, and in fact, let's actually, before we do that, let's go back a little bit further than that. How did you two get involved? Um, uh, this is Ben. Uh, I, I have been making movies for like uh, 10 years or so, mm-hmm. just shorts, and, and I made a feature a few years ago, and that feature played at a film festival here in our neck of the woods, uh, and uh, I met Jeremy on Twitter. Uh, we met up at the festival, which he has been involved with um, as a scriptwriter before. Um, 
so we uh, had a beer and uh, started kicking around ideas. <laughs> and over the course of, you know, I would say a year or two years even, uh, or a year and a half or so, we developed uh, this script. And then we went into full production. Um, and I'll let Jeremy kind of give the, the same story, but from his end. Before you do that, Jeremy, when you say your neck of the woods, where is that? Um, we are in uh, Alabama. Um, I'm in uh, North North Alabama, uh, like Huntsville, Alabama, and Jeremy is in Birmingham, Alabama. I see. And now, Jeremy, let's hear your side of the story. Sure. Well, I come from a more writing background, and I, uh, I was looking for an opportunity to write something that I wouldn't have to direct. And coincidentally, Ben was looking for the inverse opportunity. And he said something on Twitter, and so I said, I don't even know this guy, but <laughs> hey, it's worth a shot. I sent him this idea for Dead Saturday, which was something that I had been kind of storing in the back of my brain for almost a decade at that point, an idea that I'd just never done anything with. And thankfully, Ben liked the idea. And, you know, after we met up at Sidewalk Film Festival, we sat down and wrote a script. Now, Jeremy, you, you actually have directed in the past as well. Is that correct? You could say that. It didn't go too well. I, 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 I put a camera up and said, action, but I don't know that I necessarily directed. So that's why with this next project, uh, well, the one that we just finished, I was looking for someone else to do that because I'm not sure that I'm a director material just yet. Now, for the, the, the writing process, did you um, who came up with the initial idea for Dead Saturday? That was me, and that was something that I thought of in high school, just uh, an idea that came to my mind. Hey, you know, what's, what's with this day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday? Why are there three days? That's weird. And, you know, never really did much with it, even though I thought it could be a cool kind of horror or thriller type of idea. And... You know, when I saw that Ben was looking for scripts, I was like, oh, I got to I got to think of something. And so that came to mind and uh, it worked out. Now, how was the writing process? Uh, did you start with a draft uh, yourself, Jeremy, and then pass it over to Ben or did you write together? Well, the first draft, I believe, was me and uh, it wasn't all that good. <laughs> uh, so then I, you know, I passed it to Ben. He made it better. And we, uh, you know, we had a, a little bit of a different idea at first and switched up a few things. And then the script really started to take form. So I think we sent drafts back and forth to each other, I think, five or six times. And uh, yeah, so after five or six drafts over the couple over a couple months or so, we uh, we had our final draft. So did you uh, originally envision it as a short, or did you uh, maybe want to do a feature length with it? Originally, I, you know, in high school, I, I thought maybe it could be a novel or something like that. I wasn't, uh, I hadn't started writing screenplays or anything like that at that time. But, you know, I, I think it is a, a concept that could be fleshed out a bit further. And at the moment, I thought, you know, shorts are much easier to make in terms of finances and, uh, you know, getting vacation days off of work and that sort of thing. So I, I thought it would work as a short, and uh, I think it currently does work in that form. So, yeah. 
Ben, you've been working, uh, in fact, I think you're actually uh, co-run Wonder Mill Films, is that correct? Yeah, uh, that's a filmmaking group that I started with my old uh, college friend a few years ago, and uh, it's... You know, we, we don't have a, a huge output these days, but, uh, you know, it's whenever we have a project that kicks up, uh, that's what that's the banner that I kind of make stuff under. What what typifies the kind of work that comes under Wonder Mill Films? Um, we kind of, the, the tagline we gave ourselves was um, kind of homebrewed cinema from the South. Uh, so we, we want to make independent movies. We want to make movies that are uniquely Southern in most cases. And we want to make movies that are uh, entertaining. Um, we, we don't make totally, although, you know, they're extremely low budget, they're not totally abstract independent movies. Um, hopefully they're entertaining. A lot of times they're genre movies, but they're also um, hopefully uh, enriched enough that you can, like, talk about them and have a conversation. You know, it's like uh, uh, the great movies that you really remember, whether it's Blade Runner um, or, or uh, The Dark Knight, a movie that you guys have, have talked about. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully there's good, fun conversations to be had after the movie, and, and that's kind of always my goal whenever I'm, I'm doing anything. Sticking with that as an idea, Ben, what was it about this idea that made you think, okay, this is going to be my next project, this is going to be the next short film I'm going to tackle? Yeah, the, the, it's something that, like... I've always wanted to make a Christian movie, um, mm-hmm. but as you guys have discussed, it's it, usually they're real bad. Um, so, we like to call them faith-based films. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> it, that, it, like it's such like a marketing term that it, it, oh, it, it kind of makes my blood boil a little bit. Um, but whenever Jeremy came to me with this idea, I thought, "Wow, here's this really neat." Um, uh, in a way, incendiary idea that I think we could have a lot of uh, good conversations about. And I think that just naturally, it, it felt like a almost like a religious John Carpenter idea. There, there was something to it that was just so simple and, uh, and uh, tension-filled, um, but also, uh, you know, rich for, for exploration. Uh, so as soon as he, as soon as he, I mean, he says he, it wasn't a good idea or it wasn't a good script, but I, I liked it a lot from the, from the get go. So I was, I was just happy to be able to tinker with it with him. So in this instance, and I'm not sure if this uh, also goes for your, your previous projects or some of your previous projects, Ben, uh, you went through Seed and Spark, a crowdfunding way of, of uh, getting mo- raising money to make the film. Right. Now, how was that process? I, I'm not as familiar with Seed and Spark compared to uh, some of the other Indiegogo or, or whatever out there. What was that process like? And uh, is this the first time that you've done uh, crowdfunding? Um, sorry, my dog. Had to... That's okay. Um, no, uh, actually I've, uh, I did a Indiegogo campaign to raise a little bit of, uh, finishing funds for a movie. And, uh, the good thing about Indiegogo is that you can't fail. Even if you raise a dollar, you keep right? it. Um, <laughs> so I, that didn't fail, but it didn't reach its goal either. So it failed. Um, and then I did a Kickstarter campaign, um, for, um, for the post-production on, uh, another film. Um, and that totally failed. Um, and what I realized was that, you know, with those, you have to have such a built-in audience mm-hmm. from the get-go, and I just don't have that audience. Um, so 
when whenever we found Seed and Spark, well, also on those that those there's such big platforms that they they service so many different things. Mm-hmm. But what we loved about Seed and Spark is uh, that it's strictly for filmmaking, and that it's not just you're not just asking for a flat amount of money to do this one movie. You're actually there's like you know you know elements of the production that people can can purchase for you and can um, donate to you. Uh, so it makes it a lot more film-based. Uh, and also, the people that run Seed Spark are just really cool. Like, you get assigned a personal caseworker. Um, so we, like, developed a you know a rapport with one person that was there looking out for our project. Um, uh, so it was a lot more personable, a lot more focused on exactly what we're doing. Um, and I think that had a lot to do uh, with, with the success of the campaign. Um, also, it helps... Uh, having somebody involved that has a lot of friends. Uh, uh, Jeremy has many friends and I have few friends. So that, that was Mm. a, that was a big difference maker. Jeremy, how did you get so many friends? (laughs) Well, uh, college, grad school, you know, no, I don't know. Tell me more. (laughs) What is this higher learning that you speak of? So uh, when it when it comes to taking advantage, and I'm using that uh, term not in the uh, negative context, but when it comes to um, being able to access a lot of these friends and get them involved with this campaign, what were some of the ways that you went about it? Well, for this campaign, we um, <clears throat> you know we took to social media. That was really the first and biggest step. And so from there, you know, we we had a lot of gracious friends and family that helped us really get off the ground at first. And from there, Seed and Spark had a lot of good ideas, like for incentives that would kind of uh, give us some momentum and that sort of thing. And uh, ways to contact people that we think might donate or might want to get involved. And it really all just uh, over the course of four weeks, it just came together. And so, so uh, that was how long the the actual campaign took was four weeks. Yes. And and if you don't mind me asking, uh, and either of you can can chime in with this, how much did you raise for the short? For the Seed and Spark campaign, we set our goal at ten thousand, and we made just just over eight thousand, I believe. Uh, Eighty two hundred was what we came up with. And one of the good things about Seed and Spark is. If you come up with 80% rather than 100% of your goal, then you get to keep them anyways. That's like your green light. Hmm. And so originally we thought, you know, maybe 7,500 or 8,000. But with that kind of buffer in place, I said, you know, why don't we just go for 10 grand? And so thankfully uh, we did have that 80% rule in there. And so we got to about 82%, I guess. And that was uh, that ended up being about a third of the total budget that we worked with. And sorry, I, I, just because my math is bad, what was that final budget? <laughs> final budget is uh, in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty-five thousand, uh, give or take film festival fees. Right, of course. Yeah. Uh, Todd, I'm going to ask if you have any questions to ask them at the moment because this would be the point where I start asking them Eric Roberts related questions. <laughs> well, as, as much as I want to get to the Eric Roberts, uh, mm-hmm. what uh, what uh, camera did you guys use? Because I'm a little bit of a tech guy. Yeah, absolutely. We shot on the uh, Panasonic um, uh, uh, GH4. 
Um, and it was funny because we we were like kind of hopping around from different cameras um, for a few weeks before the production. We were actually going to shoot on a, on our cin- a cinematographer's DSLR. And it was a Canon something. I forget the Canon. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the main Canon line cameras. Um, and then, like the night before we shot, our sound guy had just bought a GH4, and he was like, "Hey, do you guys just want to shoot this in 4K?" And I was like, uh, "So I looked at our uh, DP, and I was like, are you cool learning this camera like tonight?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." And we had you know Rokinon lenses and everything, so those they you know fast lenses make anything look good. So. Um, so yeah, we we basically on a very short learning curve used the GH4 and shot the whole thing in 4K. Um, for so far that 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 has been for zero purpose, but uh, you know we've got a 4K master if, if it ever gets asked for. And uh, how many guys, uh, how many days did you shoot? How long did this take? Uh, we shot for four days, um, two two with Eric and, and two without, um, and we kind of bookended the the shoot with non you know, Eric Roberts days, um, because we knew we, we had, we had him less of the time than, than everybody else. Um, so we knew, you know, we had to get some stuff and then if we needed pickups, we could put those in the last day. So, so four days, um, mostly, uh, mostly eight hour days. Um, one day went probably 15 hours, which is what I'm used to. Um, so the, the other days were actually, you know, not easy, but but they were a little bit lighter than than they have been before. How did you uh, get access to the uh, church used in it, or was it a church? <laughs> it was not a church. We actually <laughs> had a church secured for months and months and months ahead of time, um, but the uh, the the pastor was extremely friendly. He loved the script. He loved you know any dialogue that the script would would kick up, um, and uh, but then the board members of the church. Um, saw the script and um, they looked at a movie that I did a few years ago, uh, which was an adaptation of Frankenstein. And, and a, a little bit of that was about, you know, a creation questioning its master. So I guess they read the, theological um, stuff into that and declared that it was kind of a, her, a heretical movie. Hmm. Um, and uh, so they told the pastor that either if, if we shot there, um, we they would sue the production oh. and they would fire the pastor. Um, wow! So with, when the pastor told me this, I said, "You know what? I think we shouldn't shoot there." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, so that was like a few weeks before we were, we were filming. Um, so uh, my production designer and I went on a mad scramble and did as much research as we could around the area. And I met with like the city council of this tiny little town that was like east of east of Huntsville. Um, and, uh, but at the end, what we actually landed on was this bizarre, beautiful little resort that was like, it's like in the hills south of, of Huntsville, which isn't a major city, but it's a bigger city. And it's in the middle of the country. Uh, and it's a, again, a resort where you can just go and have like corporate meetings and, and getaways and, and stuff like that. And they have a, a wedding chapel there because they do some weddings. So it was a wedding chapel that they made to look like a church. And we obviously dressed it up to look a little bit more like that than, you know, uh, a chapel. So it was it was really strange, really fortuitous. And uh, I'm so shocked that it actually turned out well. <laughs> if you want to check out Ben's heretical film, Frankenstein's Master, it's over on the Wonder Mill <laughs> YouTube uh, page, which we can, of course, link at the Thank bottom you. here. Um, nice. Yeah, see, I like to I like to tie it all together if Beautiful. at all possible. <laughs> um, 
was there ever when you lost that uh, church? Was there ever a concern that maybe the short wasn't going to happen because obviously the location is so key to it? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> our dates were locked. Uh, I mean, we were, you know, we're, we're there was people that were actually being paid. There were, you know, Eric's flight had been booked, his hotel had been booked. Um, we had other people that had had been booked. So there are so many pieces that couldn't be moved at this point. Uh, so no, we, we, we knew that we couldn't change the dates. And Jeremy and I had a very tough phone conversation where we were both like, all right, man, like if we got to shoot it in the woods, we'll have to write a reason <laughs> that this is happening in the woods. Uh, so it was, it, we never actually, I don't think we ever actually started doing the work uh, on figuring out a way to spin the script in such a way that it would make sense. Like if it was like on the exterior of a church and we just stole a location outside or, or something like that. Um, so we never actually, I don't think, put pen to paper on coming up with an idea for that. Uh, Jeremy might correct me, but um, but it was that was definitely our only option was to kind of twist the story to fit our location crisis. Jeremy, was there a moment where you were thinking, maybe I can rewrite this to take place in a school gymnasium? <laughs> school gymnasium would have been great, actually. Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> right. What can so I say? Producer, I'm an idea man. <laughs> associate producer credit. So, we, you know, when, when I got that phone call from Ben that morning saying that uh, our, our plane was going down, theoretically, <laughs> we started kicking around ideas, you know, maybe – the pastors at his house and the kids come to visit him at home. I think that was our, our first Mm. idea. And we didn't really love that just because the scenery of the church or what we made to look like a church, we thought would add so much to the story. And yeah, thankfully we didn't have to do that. (laughs) All right, let's get to one of the core questions. And honestly, I, I, uh, interview a lot of micro budget and low budget uh, directors for my other work. So this stuff is always really fascinating to me. But the reason we're here is because I have to ask you, how did Eric Roberts get involved with the film? Jeremy, I'll let you kind of run with it. Cool. So we, uh, well, Ben initially met with uh, an acting school, a directing school called Hollywood Huntsville. Uh, run by a couple named Bill and Ayoka Billions. So yes, that's Bill Billions. <laughs> <laughs> Not a used car salesman. Very nice couple. And so Ayoka offered to do some casting for us for a very reasonable rate. And we told her, you know, we've uh, we've got these four roles for younger actors, but we really want to go for broke with uh, with our pastor and get someone maybe notable or recognizable. And so she listed it on, she listed the project on Actors Access, I believe it was. And within, within a few hours, I guess, we started getting lots and lots of uh, activity, mostly from actors that we weren't familiar with. But there were a few handful that really stood out. And lo and behold, Eric Roberts was one of them. So we... We kind of sat down and discussed our top three of sorts, and I believe Eric was the only the only native Southerner, which was big to us. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd done a lot of really cool recent genre work, like you know, The Expendables, The Dark Knight, that sort of thing, and was working on a Paul Thomas Anderson movie at the time. So that was 
not bad either. And yeah, we we decided to go with him, and we had the Billionses contact his people, and we worked out a deal. Now I'm not going to ask you who the other actors on that list were. I think that would I, be. I, I'll go ahead and throw one out. Terrific. Um, <clears throat> nice. Um, uh, Corey Feldman was on the list. Oh my. Um, oh. and uh, Richard Lewis was on the list. Ooh. And uh, I don't mean to call Jeremy out here, but um, when we were actually shooting, um, we were just kind of like talking about that. And uh, Jeremy was like, I think Richard Lewis may have actually worked for this. And I was like, (laughs) Jeremy, uh, you're suggesting that Richard Lewis would be well cast as a Southern Christian preacher? (laughs) Hey, man, we could have made it work, I think. (laughs) He's he's standing by. If he can nail that Snickers commercial, he could have nailed it. (laughs) He can do anything. We have a podcast devoted to Eric Roberts, but there's a part of me that wishes I lived in the universe where Richard Lewis started in the short <laughs> film. <laughs> um, so, uh, and I should ask, uh, I guess, um, uh, you this, uh, Ben. Is there an intimidation factor working with a, an actor of uh, certainly this much recognition, uh, especially because you know you only have the four days. If he's coming in with an attitude or is wants to change things around, that's something you'll have to deal with fairly quickly. Was there a concern regarding that? Absolutely. I mean, I'm nervous about everything that ever happens to me, mm-hmm. but this was this was definitely one of those situations where I was like, "All right, I got to make sure that I have all my work done, you know, all my research done, and." I can answer any tough questions he slings at me. Thankfully, um, his uh, uh, his wife Eliza, who's his manager, um, set up a call a few weeks before we shot, and I actually got to talk to Eric on the phone. He was really generous with his time, so that that was a that cut a lot of the ice. Um, so uh, it broke a lot of the ice, and I was uh, I was pretty relaxed whenever whenever he showed up. Um, you know, it was it was a low budget film, so a lot of times the director has to juggle a bunch of hats. But thankfully. Uh, Jeremy um, and uh, actually my wife, who functioned as Eric's assistant at the time, um, they they picked him up from the airport, got him hooked up. So he had already kind of been, you know, talking to people on the production by the time I talked to him. And uh, really, it was just, you know, time to go to work. So there, there wasn't really um, a whole lot of time. Uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of pomp and circumstance about it. It was just and he, he never asked for that. You know, it was always just kind of show up and let, let's get going. Does it, did it help at all, the fact that, I mean, and, and frankly, and we all know this, especially if anyone who listens to this podcast, that he's worked on a lot of lower-budgeted projects over the last few years So and worked with a lot of young, not that you're uh, a young or inexperienced director, but people sure. who don't have necessarily a lot of experience on, on bigger-budgeted projects. Was that something that you had in mind when it came to working with him? Not really, honestly. My, my the way I was looking at it was I was anxious because he had just come off of a set with Paul Thomas Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) So that's who I was right or wrong, kind of like putting myself in the boat, boat with. Um, And uh, so I was like, all right, well, you know, and then also I kind of, you know, just being kind of a a, a jerk myself, Mm -hmm. I kind of figured he's probably (laughs) used to working with, you know, some, some guys that don't have their stuff together and don't really do their homework and, you know, and just kind of show up and, and wing it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of communicate to him that I was taking it seriously. Um, hopefully I didn't over, overdo that, but, um, but yeah, it, it was definitely, it was more, you know, compared to anything I've done, what his body of work is tremendous. Uh, so there was definitely, that was always the thing. It's like, this guy's been doing it for so long. He's been working with guys like, PTA and Christopher Nolan. So, uh, 
you know, I need to, you know, that I was pretty worried about that to answer your question. Jeremy, were you on set for all four days? I was indeed on set for all four days. Um, didn't sleep a whole lot, so I was there physically, sometimes not <laughs> mentally. Um, and the first two days, uh, we had some last-minute things that kept me busy. But I got to relax a little bit on the last two days and kind of observe the process and uh, give my input. Did you have an intimidation factor as well? Was this something where you were like, was there a feeling on the set like, oh, Eric Roberts is coming? I think maybe before he arrived, there was a bit of one. Uh, Part of it was he was filming, I believe, a few episodes of Suits before he joined us. And um, his one of his people called me, I guess, a week before our shoot was scheduled to happen and said, hey, uh, Eric's going to have to fly out of Toronto instead of Los Angeles. Can we get that flight switched around? And so I did what I could, but the only option that was in our budget range at the time was coach. (laughs) So we flew our Hollywood actor in on a coach flight. And so I was hoping he wouldn't be angry about that but you know he arrived he was totally fine with it he said he understood and yeah you know um danielle ben's wife and i got in the car with eric and he was really just down to earth and you know gave us a copy of his stepson's cd so we listened to that a little bit (laughs) nice yeah so so having that one day of being around him we went grocery shopping with him that day dropped him off at the hotel so we you know we got to be around him a little bit get to know him and so for me that that kind of broke the ice and yeah when he got on set the next day it was uh it's like we knew him (laughs) that must have helped you a lot jeremy but ben did not have that experience of going around to the grocery store ben how was the uh initial feeling out process was uh, was he ready to go did he was he prepared to uh kind of go with the flow or did he want to give uh, much of his own input regarding things um you know there was there was a little bit of a feeling out process um and uh you know he there there it was less it was less character stuff he he kind of let me lead there there's a few uh well, there's some stuff that I probably shouldn't go into, um, but uh, he... You can go ahead if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was just a few, like, sh- angles, shot angles and things like that that he uh, uh, he had input on, and I didn't really give him much flexibility there, um, but uh, he was really cool about it, and about, you know, a few, maybe halfway through the day or something, he was like, hey, man, just understand that i'm not trying to take your movie away from you i was just you know had some had some ideas and stuff and i was like okay cool you know thank you thanks for saying that and so we're we're we were cool but there was uh, there's always i think that tension when uh you know one person is a a a big personality and uh has a lot of experience to bring and and then there's somebody like me who's i probably had felt like i had something to prove and so i had to kind of figure out how much I was going to flex and stuff like that. So, um, in the end, um, there was, uh, we, we got along pretty well and whenever it it didn't matter, whatever we were kind of exchanging before the take, as soon as I said action, he was on. So it was one of those things where he's such a professional that even if he's not fully 
comfortable with something, he's able to just take it and run with it and, and make it happen. Do you think of it as a feather in your cap, Ben, or actually both of you, that you know, you've know you worked with an Academy Award-nominated actor in one of your movies? I mean, that's got to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the main things that, that I was like, I, I was excited about. And in the, in the moment, it was, it was so thrilling. And then looking back, that was so thrilling, is that you, you, can to, you can totally tell. You can totally tell that this guy is cut in the same cloth as, as Robert De Niro and, and, and you know, had, those, had those opportunities, especially early in his career. Um, so because of – he's just so naturally talented. Like I said, I mean he was like cutting up and stuff between takes and was – he, he never left the set. He would just like talk to whoever was hanging out and uh, – and you would almost think like, hey, man, like we're working here. But then as soon as you say action, boom, he, he goes and it's a fantastic like the, the the takes that you see in the movie are like first take, second takes, you know. So he, he he's he's got a natural ability, uh, a natural kind of um, uh, charisma and screen presence that you don't see in just anybody. And it's almost kind of frustrating that I have friends that want to be act, want to act and stuff and they just don't. In some cases, they don't have that natural, whatever it is, screen presence uh, that that Eric has. Um, so it it it, uh, it was a it was a huge deal for me, and it was confirmed that it was a big deal whenever we got done. Um, and it's one of those things that I just hope that people like PTA um, and and Nolan keep. You know, I'd love to see Eric pop up in a Tarantino movie. I, I just I think it's going to happen <laughs> one of these days. But I, I I think that some of these kind of retro minded directors out there. Um, I, I just hope they keep giving him these kind of opportunities. It's uh, it's something I think uh, Todd and I have talked about a lot. Just the idea that, especially because he still gets these roles in larger budgeted projects and more visible pro- projects, uh, and even when it comes to like television projects, like he was on that Entourage episode a few years back, and of course on Suits and things like that. That that it wouldn't take a large push to get him one of those. It, it's hard not to compare it to a Mickey Rourke type role or or a Tarantino certainly type role that would push him back into uh, into kind of a, as a mainstream actor, even if the roles he gets are slightly different than the ones that he gets, say, you know, in the background of a Rihanna video or something. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I, I don't mean to certainly discount the other actors that you have in your project as well. What, what was their relationship uh, like? with Eric and uh, were they uh, dealing with some intimidation? Obviously they had, uh, you know, I was looking up their profiles on the IMDb. These are experienced actors as well, just maybe on a slightly different level. Um, honestly, I didn't feel any of that from them. I mean, I, I wasn't in the side of their heads and, and mm-hmm. after all they're actors. Uh, so <laughs> who knows what the hell they were projecting out to the world and feeling inside. Um, so I actually didn't feel any of that nervousness. Um, like we, like I said, we worked a whole day, uh, before Eric showed up and I, I did try to make sure that they felt like they were on his level, you know, that we weren't rolling out anything special, um, because of talent or, you know, because of, of, of profile or anything like that. Um, so we were all pretty casual about it. And in between takes and stuff, they, they would just talk to him the, the same way they would talk to each other. I mean, I think the only notable thing is maybe the, the age difference, you know, and, and that only, you know, that helps the, the, the movie, that helps the script out. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really see any intimidation on their faces. They, they seemed up to it. And, um, 
uh, like you said, they, they'd also been in movies. I mean, uh, Kurt, our lead actor, had, had shared a scene with, with McConaughey and, and Woody Harrelson on True mm-hmm. Detective. So uh, I think after, you know, the, the, the star wattage of McConaughey, especially these days, is probably <laughs> you're, you're not going to get, you know, a mu- much brighter than that. Todd, I don't mean to keep stepping on on uh, if you have some questions. To, <laughs> no, to no, 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 man. Yeah, I'm looking over my notes, and you've nailed everything I've got written down here. So, no, no, you're all right. I am all right. Thank you, Todd. Uh, <laughs> Todd, on our previous, most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, you started the episode, Todd, by telling me that you loved me, which I have to say is still just going back and editing that episode. It just warmed my heart so wow. very much. Uh, the fact is, and you might not know this, uh, Jeremy or, or Ben, that uh, we, um, we've we never met before. In fact, Todd and I, uh, when we were, were recording our first episode of this podcast, we had only talked really for the first time immediately before that. So uh, we are, are have come together through a strangely ironic love of Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the great yeah. uniting force in the universe. <laughs> you know what? And, and that's, I was being very facetious there. Obviously, we uh, have a lot of respect for him as an actor and as a performer. Uh, and, and as we delve deeper, uh, it just that actually just kind of grows. And the fact that both of our backgrounds are... Uh, both Todd and myself were interested in genre movies and seeing how much of his career kind of is in that realm these days, it actually kind of fits in very, very well. The film um, is complete. It's now being toured around festivals. What's the latest news on that? Where are people able to see uh, the film at the moment? I'll let Jeremy run with that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, we are making our festival debut two weeks from tomorrow at the Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham, which uh, something that I think Alabamians might take for granted. It's It's been around for 17 years. It's a very great film festival. A lot of excellent filmmakers and actors have come through. And so we're really happy to be debuting right here at home. It's, it's you know, my hometown and very close to Ben's as well. And after that, immediately after that, the next weekend we'll be at the Portland Film Festival in Oregon. And then about a month later, we will be at the Louisville International Film Festival in Kentucky. Now, the Sidewalk Festival, that's where you two first met. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. That, that's, talk about full circle. That's pretty amazing, actually. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it was, it was always our, our kind of dream to, to let the movie pr- have its festival premiere there, um, just for, for that reason and just because we're, you know, the, the fest is kind of special to both of us. Um, so it, we're really happy that it worked out, and it's super romantic uh, that we get to return there with a the movie. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's up next? For the both of you and uh, and uh, Wonder Mill Films, what uh, are you going to continue to work together, or do you have separate projects that you're currently working on? Um, we're I think we're doing kind of both. Um, I think we've got some some projects that we're, we've talked about and that we're actively um, collaborating on. And uh, you know, in, in case we find ourselves at a festival together with uh, uh, you know some some big wig producer, uh, so that we have a pitch. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I'm personally, I'm also working on just like a little super, super small DIY short. Um, I, I know a lot of people here in my local film community and I've been wanting, there's like a list of people I've been wanting to collaborate with. So I, I came up with this kind of, a Terrence Malick stoner noir kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, short film idea that I hopefully will be shooting either in the fall or the spring. 
uh, whenever I can get everybody's schedules together. And will that be will that be through Wondermill? Uh, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be Wondermill, and it might it might be a full produced, written, directed by myself, just because I don't want to bother anybody else <laughs> with working on it. <laughs> Do you ever lay awake at night wondering if Corey Feldman, if you could have had that experience? You know, that guy knows how to party. He does. And, yeah, and I mean, though he might not have quite the pedigree of an Eric Roberts, he he is Corey Feldman. Well, you know, if this was like a youth pastor, Malcolm, you know, I feel like maybe that would be that would be like, you know, he he lived a hard life and then he became a youth pastor so that people wouldn't have to go through what he went through. Or maybe he can secretly help them go through what he went through. Um, yeah, I, I Corey Feldman, I'm sure, is is a super, super awesome dude. But mm-hmm. he, it, just from a name recognition thing, I, I was a little bit afraid that that was more of a kind of you know, Sharknado type casting decision <laughs> rather than a, a pure, you know, material quality based casting decision. I think it's safe to say of those three names mentioned that in terms of the gravitas that this character is supposed to have, uh, Eric Roberts certainly nails that in the context of the movie. Gentlemen, thank you so much for spending some time here with us at Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give both of you an opportunity to uh, tell people where they can find your other work and uh, what's the best place to find you online. Let's start with you, Jeremy, and then we'll head over to Ben. Sure. Well, I've got a little imprint of my own called Rough Riders. That's rough with a W, R-O-U-G-H, and then writers like script writing. And uh, we've got a few projects that I'm uh, tossing around right now, a couple of short scripts and... Uh, potentially a short documentary that I might be working on in the winter. And yeah, so facebook.com slash roughwriters or at roughwriters on Twitter. And Ben, how about yourself? Um, Twitter at Wondermill Films and all my work is at benstarkfilm.com uh, or folks can go to youtube.com slash wondermillfilms. Yeah, and do that, because if you go over to the Wonder Mill Films, not only is there a lot of your archived work, but there's also interview segments, and you can get a lot more um, more of an idea of the personalities behind some of these films as well. Todd? Yes, sir? Everyone wants to know what you're up to, too. How can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Film Fiend, or you can find me talking about horror movies and crap over at Dread Central. And do do that. Ladies and gentlemen, you can, of course, find me over at dailygrindhouse.com, over on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can, of course, find Eric Roberts is the fucking man at ericrobertsistheman.com or on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. You can also go over to our Facebook group where I post a lot of nonsense that you probably wouldn't be interested in, but eh, it's a good way to communicate with us all the same. Thank you so much, both of you guys. You know, uh, when you... When you emailed uh, uh, the the website, it was such an exciting um, <laughs> thing to receive, simply because it was so unexpected. And uh, as soon as you were kind of explaining where you were coming from, all I could think was, we got to get these guys on immediately so they can talk about this movie. Uh, and really, I think it's it's... I hope that those uh, anyone who's listening, eventually they get to check out Dead Saturday. It's certainly worth their time. And if you are able to get to a festival that's playing it, 
whether in Alabama or elsewhere, please do so. But at the very least, check out Wonder Mill Films. Check out both of these gentlemen and give them work. Give them money is what I should say. Yeah, give, give <laughs> yes, them money. Please. Yeah, Lots thank, of money. Thank, I, I just want to say real quick, thank you guys so much. And uh, I've been uh, tearing through uh, all your podcasts this week, and you guys are doing you're, you're doing God's work. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Thank you so well, much. Thank you. Well, it is, it is, it is a faith-based podcast. It is. So. I can tell. <laughs> Guys, once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Todd, for putting up with me, just blabbering on and on as is my want. And, uh, yes, thank you to you, the listeners, for taking some time to listen to this special bonus episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We will be returning again within a week with Tanya Atomic, our special guest, who will be discussing Stranded, a.k.a. Doc Holliday's Revenge, and another movie that I can't remember the name of, but is directed by Victor Salva, which is going to be... The Nature of the Beast. The Nature of the, the nature Beast, of the... directed by Victor Salva, which is going to be an interesting discussion. And if you don't know why, do yourself a little research and come join us in a week. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do Eric Roberts fucking can <laughs>